Ladies and gentlemen, for the second half of the podcast tonight, we're talking to Jerry Eamon, and he is the new president of the AFL Fans Association. Uh, that's right, isn't it? You're, you're the president? That's right. That's <laughs> me. Yeah, I'm president since November last year, so I guess newish now, or maybe even not so new anymore. Jerry, the important questions. Who do you support? I support the Swannies. I uh, grew up in Canberra and Sydney. And uh, I used to go to many Swans games at the SCG and then moved down to Melbourne about 10 years ago. And you're a Swans member, are you, Jerry? I am, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> how you, how you seen the Swans travelling this year? Uh, pretty good. I uh, looked pretty good up until the weekend just passed when they lost to Richmond. Um, up until then, I was thinking, well... Probably, you know, would be surprised to, to not make the grand final. Not necessarily win, but um, definitely right up there. But just with that second half fade out that I saw on Friday night, I was actually uh, quite surprised by that. And I, I don't know how. How I mean, it's, you, you're going to lose some games, but it's more so. You know, it's more in the manner that you lose them. And I think uh, if you look at Hawthorne, for example, they've lost more games this year, but I don't think they've lost games in the same manner that like a, a, a genuine fade out where a team's just run over the top of them mm. um yeah so i'm a bit unsure after last last week but i still think we'll be definitely a top four team right jerry you're the as as we said you're the president of the fans association what exactly is the fans association sure the, the, the afl fans association was set up basically to provide uh a central voice for fans. Um, the idea being that there's a, there's a body that represents coaches, a body that represents players, a uh, body that represents everyone, it seems, apart from the biggest stakeholder, which, which is fans. So um, I think I wasn't there at the very inception, but um, what, what I've gathered is guys who put the organisation together felt that there was a need to there would be more clout if there was a united voice if there was something uh, a body or an organization that represented fans that um, it would be more powerful and easier to be listened to um, and I think you know that there's probably been a fans a growing disconnect that fans have felt over the last 10 years or certainly a lot large proportion of them um, and I think you know providing a, a, a a voice for those fans so it was a really important thing. Okay. So what are your goals as the for the Fans Association? The goals, I, uh, I guess, you know, the goals are in general, if you like, to represent fans' concerns, whatever they might be. So whether they're food prices, whether they're entry to access to grand final tickets, um, whether, you know, clubs aren't treating their members well, Whatever they are, it's it's to do that. It, it's really to, to provide a um, representation to fans as issues come up. So, I mean, specific issues, you know, we're pushing hard for um, a greater allocation of, of seats to members at the grand final. We're, we're pushing hard for, for other stadiums to fall in line with um, the MCG in terms of food pricing. Um and bringing the game back to fans, not not sanitising the, the fan experience too much, um, and you know, giving giving listening, making sure that the fans' voices is, is heard. 
Okay. So on to the uh, issues that affect the fans then. Yep. And one of the, I mean, the AFL is calling this the year of the fan and they've, yep. they've put in a number of initiatives to back that up. And one of those, as you mentioned, is the, the variable pricing on food. And yep. the MCG obviously discounting things by a decent margin and yep. on a number of items. And Eddie had, uh, like, cutting the price on its pies and stuff like that in the Sunday and doing free yep. entry for kids under 15 and things like that. And yet these things aren't transferring to uh, venues outside the state. When we did our survey on Big Footy, 42% of our respondents basically said, look, the year of the fan isn't mattering to us because we're not in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think that, that that's a fair point. Um, certainly in terms of food pricing, it's, you know, it's really, it's only the MCG that's really, I guess, taken that issue on board. Etihad has as well, but it is only in Sundays and it is only in certain foods on Sundays. So it does feel a bit gimmicky. Um, and certainly all the stadiums around Australia haven't really, you know, that they've just kept... Uh, their prices as is. There's been no budge, um, you know, and, and the prices are really exorbitant. Um, Domain Stadium and Adelaide Oval, I mean, they're just way, way too high for what you're getting. I know that the caterers at the MCG were keen to uh, see if they could do, um, uh, sorry, Eddie had in the MCG, they were keen to try and explore doing that at other venues. But mm. the venues themselves and the venue managers were like, no, we can't do that. We can't cut, especially in Adelaide, where they were just astonished by the whole thing. Mm, and they were mm. like, well, we don't get how they're doing that in the first place. Um, you know, and, and there's just no chance. And that's not being shot down by the AFL. I don't think it's the AFL that's saying right. I, I, it's the venues themselves that are out to make every cent that they can. And there's yep. been some expressions in recent weeks from the Queen, uh, from the WA government, over whether the AFL is trying to force them to allow. Uh, supporters to bring in their own food and presumably to try and get some of those concessions extended to the new Perth Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they have about as much chance of that happening as there was at Adelaide. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah. I'm not sure it's just. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be possible to extend those across the board when uh, they've got different managers who basically are out to make as much money as they can. Yeah. Look, my my thoughts on that are. That it is actually possible, and and I, I appreciate there are contracts in place that uh, different contracts are in place that say things need to be sold at a certain price, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, as was seen by the MCG example, things can be renegotiated, and they get renegotiated when powerful people start using their influence. Um, I've got no doubt in the case of let's say, Adelaide Oval, uh, if, the South, if the AFL and the South Australian government was to lobby hard to have a reduction in prices and to renegotiate the contracts uh, to, to affect that end, I, I'm sure we would see, we would see some movement there. Um, it's, it's, I think there is a tendency sometimes by the AFL to say, oh, it's it's too hard, the, the contracts are, you know, they're, they're set in stone. But it that, that that seems to be a little bit convenient. And, and, and you know, ironically, the, the AFL did apply some pressure on the MCG and, and you know, we did see a, um, we did see their prices reduced and they would have had all those same contracts with the caterers um, uh, that are in place in, in other stadiums around Australia. 
I think part of the problem in Victoria, though, was that the uh, the attendances dropped last year yep. uh, across the board in Victoria. And so there was a perception that dropping some prices and doing some different things would bring some of those crowds back. Yeah. Whereas in Adelaide, that problem didn't really exist because the stadium was a year old. Crowds were way up. And the other yeah. problem they have is that the stadium manager during the football season is the Sample, who need to make as much money as possible mm. to keep their own state clubs running. And they're very inflexible on matters like catering. Mm. And the yeah. AFL has very little power over that because uh, their contracts require those games to be played at Adelaide Oval. There's nowhere else to play those games. Mm. They're kind of locked into that now. I'm not sure that there is as much uh, room for movement as you might think uh, in terms of the, the stadium contract at Adelaide Oval. Look, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I think that when pressure is, is being duly applied, um, you know, things can move. There, there's been a renegotiation, you know, within the last year uh, with, the Adelaide, with Adelaide Oval in terms of ensuring that the Crows and the Power get a better deal. Um, now, that's a big contract that was in place that's been changed. Mm. Now, if, if such a big contract can, can be changed... Uh, because there's a perceived need to. I, I'm, I, I'm sure other contracts can follow. The problem is, I think that in negotiating that return, they've kind of literally cemented the pricing in the catering because there's no way that the uh, the Sandfield can let that kind of revenue go without making it up somehow. And the only way they can do that mm. is through catering. So. Mm. I mean, I hear I, what you're I, saying, and I would yeah. I would like to think that it could be negotiated. I'd, I'd like to think that pressure can be bought, but the way the Adelaide Oval contract appears to be written is that all power lies with the Sandfield to determine all of that during mm. that period. There's literally no power uh, held by the state government, mm. even look, in terms I, of the lease. It's a weird. I, it's I a appreciate weird contract. as well that the Sandfield and and you know these they need to make money. I I, I completely. I, I, understand and appreciate that mm. it, it it's a it's about striking a balance i of guess course. between making money and not disenfranchising the very people that are making you that money in the first place mm. now the other thing that the afl has done is uh they, they've played around with the led lighting and, and mm. uh done some light shows and fancy things that the mcg and eddie had in particular um these follow things done it well they're modeled on basically things that port adelaide mm. did at adelaide yep. oval last year Yep. And how have you seen that? Uh, is that working? Is that not working? Um, look, probably the general consensus, the feedback that we've had from fans ha- hasn't been that positive about it. I, um, a lot of fans find the lighting too, too bright. Uh, they find it's distracting when it's moving, whizzing around on the ground when the play's happening. And they can find as well another comment that's been as the music uh, between goals, etc., between in, in the quarters is, is too loud. I think um, Port Adelaide set a really good example last year, um, but I think you know part of the fan experience at Port Adelaide, which was which was so good, was a they'd moved to a new stadium, which was was great, and they were playing really exciting football. You know, they were playing an attacking style of football, um, and it was really working. Um, and people loved seeing it. Um, I don't know whether, I mean, the Port fans were necessarily um, 
coming in their droves because of the LED lighting. Um, I'd be, I'd be, you know, curious to hear more from Port fans on that because certainly the feedback in relation to how it's gone in in Victoria hasn't hasn't been that that uh, positive. Mm. Yeah, I don't live in Melbourne anymore, so I can't honestly say I've seen it, and I don't go to Adelaide Oval very often because mm. I'm a Carlton supporter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the reports are generally that the sound was too loud and the, the the lights were too bright at the start, and then they did some adjustments to that, and that seems to have uh, had some effect. I think it's people just getting used to something that they haven't seen uh, before to a large extent as well. Perhaps, perhaps. But um, you know. I think I think with the LED lighting, you know, the way our eyesight works is that you are always attracted to moving things, and that's mm. why they've started making ads that move. In the same way that, you know, when you're sitting in a pub and there's a little corner in the TV, little corner in the back of the pub with the TV on, you find your your eyes naturally drawn to it. Um, and I guess what you're, when you're watching the footy, what some people can find is that they're trying to concentrate in the footy, but they find themselves constantly drawn to these moving ads um, and they can find that somewhat distracting but whether, whether it's just a matter of getting used to it maybe you know I, I, I think that they all the feedback seems to be that they were too bright I do know that they've dimmed them somewhat um, whether that's now going to become acceptable and, and whether people are getting used to them I, I guess you know we'll, we'll have a better feeling of that coming into the season mm. Now, for all of these initiatives and, and, you know, children getting in free kick-to-kick after the ground, uh, after the, after some games and, and things like that, the crowds are only up, not, uh, well, crowds are actually down 92 per game over the mm. season. Um, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not entirely sure that people are sold on it yet, although part of that, a good part of that is going to be based on the performance levels of some teams, particularly mine. Uh, when my team is down, it yep. tends to drag league averages down a little does. bit. Does. So I think yeah, we'll see a bit of a turnaround in the second half of the season. But at yep. the moment, on the first half of the season's results, it does seem that uh, people aren't buying into it, which leads me to the bigger problem, and that's TV. Um, mm. And I know I sent you these figures earlier in the day, but uh, you know, free-to-air TV ratings are down 6%. Foxtel ratings are down 8%. Across the board, they're down 11%. What's to be done about that? Mm. Um, look, I, I guess a comment on TV figures is I think when people are generally disillusioned with the game, so if they're turning up, they go to a couple of games and there are things there that are annoying them. They find the music too loud. They, they find there's too much betting advertising. Um, they find that the food is really exorbitantly priced. When they go home, I don't. I think that disenchantment with the game carries through. So I think they're also less likely to watch TV because they're somewhat annoyed at the whole sport, basically. Mm. Um, so I think that that's a factor um, in terms of how to how to lift them. I mean, I, I think the only thing that the, the AFL, what the AFL should do, is, is if, if you get the fan experience as good as you can at the ground, um, fans are more likely to, I guess, be engaged with the competition as a whole. And I think you'd find a flow-on effect mm. um, at, on, on television numbers. 
The other thing is that AFL memberships, and I know that there's you know speculation as to how they're compiled and how many of them are three-game mm-hmm. ones and how many of them aren't access memberships and things like that. Yeah. The AFL started counting them all, all memberships, as basically one big figure for public release uh, uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And on the basis of the raw figures, uh, the AFL sets another record this year for membership, uh, up about 30,000 on last year. Yep. Um, 11 teams have set membership records this year. Uh, another two, uh, St Kilda and Brisbane, have beaten their margins for last year. Uh, Carlton and uh, Melbourne came within less than 500 of uh, beating their record for last year as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, It, it, it does... It does seem to think that paying people, like financially supporting members, are quite happy to keep paying. Um, well, I, I think you've got to be careful with the membership figures. I, look, I'll give you an example. I work at Victoria University. Um, any student at Victoria University is entitled to a free... Three-game membership of the Western Bulldogs. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many students there are at Victoria University, but there are thousands. Um, I know that other clubs have similar things where memberships are free. So I guess, you know, I it, it's, it's hard to see through what these memberships really are. How many of them are people paying paying their dues or, and, and how many are just, you know, people thinking, oh, well, it's free, I'll sign up. That's pretty easy. It's going to take mm. me. It's going to take me. I mean, I, I got a, a Bulldogs membership because I worked there and it took me five seconds of my time. I put my name down and signed. Yeah. And, and that was it. So I don't know. It, it's the dis- disconnect between membership numbers and I guess overall trends in crowds and uh, TV numbers. We've kind of got to be a bit, little bit careful relying too heavily on membership numbers because we're, it's a little bit hard to. I haven't yet seen a really a proper solid breakdown of how many of these members are fully fee paying. Um, so I'm, I'm just a little bit. I, I kind of take membership figures a little bit with with a, a grain of salt, I guess. For the, for the most part, the AFL releases an audit. Uh, generally in August of its month, which tells us who who are access members, who are non-access members. But mm-hmm. like you say, access members include three-game yep. people, and if they're getting those memberships for free, then it's not you know not necessarily uh-huh. uh, are going to do anything in terms of actual you know, club support. But mm. uh, the other thing, the other means of measuring this is by the the revenue that those memberships actually bring into the club, which we find out pretty much annually every mm-hmm. February to March when those clubs release uh, annual reports. And so we we have some idea based on previous years, but we don't have any idea on this year, I guess, and we won't know mm-hmm. that until the end of the year. But, yeah. I mean, the figures are up, which is what the AFL wants to report, and, and clubs want to report to their, their sponsors and and yep. uh, you know, generally have shots at each other about, I suppose. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Look, I think. I mean, we we want the game to thrive. So you know, I, I think anyone who's passionate about footy wants wants the game to grow as much as it, as it can. So, I mean, I I, I like hearing whenever I read. Uh, figures that, that are showing members are up. I um, I'm always heartened to hear it because I think you know the more 
I guess, closer you become to the club you support, the, the more you get out of the game and the, the healthier the game is. Mm. Okay, so the AFL Fans Association, how do you be involved in it? Or how can you be involved in it? Mm. Um, look, what, what, we're essentially a lobby group. Um, a lobby group that's about spruiking the the interest of fans. How we do that is we, we regularly talk to media. We regularly release press releases. Uh, we have regular conversations with um, a range of uh, radio, TV and print journalists. Um, you know, the, the, the way you can put pressure on, on the powers that be these days is really by making sure that, that, that your voice is heard. Um, and, you know, organisations like the AFL, like clubs, stadiums, they're all sensitive to being criticised. So, you know, if there's a if there's a valid reason to criticise them, um, we make sure that that's that that's heard, that, that criticism's heard. By the same token, we, we also make make a point of making sure that when we see something uh, being done that we consider um, a, a good, positive improvement, we make sure that our voice is heard in the, on those occasions as well. Okay, and how have the the AFL taken the fans' association? Is there any communication? Um, um, there's been some. There's been some. Um, look, it's it's probably fair to say that the AFL, in general, is not an organisation that likes being criticised. I think anyone you know who's had any dealings with the AFL would be aware of that, and they generally also prefer to control the narrative wherever possible. So I think for them, the Fans Association is probably a, a thorn in their side um, because they recognise that we, we do, we do media do come to us. They do come to, to us and, and, and seek our opinions. And, you know, we do have access to a lot of opinions through fans commenting on our, on our Facebook and also uh, writing to us um, directly uh, via email. Um, so, look, I, I think the way they view us, in, in short, is, is is a bit of a is a pain, a thorn in their side, which they're not too sure how to handle. Okay. What do you think are the biggest issues that are going to face AFL fans that the AFL will need to address in the next couple of years? Um, look, looking into my crystal ball, some, something that I'm, something the whole committee of the AFL Fans Association is very concerned about is, is variable pricing. Last year we had an introduction of variable pricing and the AFL controlled it. What they've done this year is they haven't gotten rid of variable pricing. They've said, here, clubs, you can control variable pricing. So clubs can now set all the prices of tickets to their games, to their home games. Now, it's only one year in, um, but I, I, I really worry about where that will lead to in a few years. Clubs are, often need more money and, you know, when they need to generate more income, it's going to be one of the first places they look. Um, and that, that's, a, you know, that, that's a concern. It, it's where prices will get to. Um, you, you see, um, certainly in Melbourne, for example, the MCG, the categories of ticket prices are, are, are escalating. There's all these different categories now. 
Um, and, you know, the, the cheap seats are always way up high in the Great Southern Stand. And, the, and I worry about that in, in general. Um, I want to be about, worry about access to games in uh, places like WA and South Australia. Um, you know, fans actually just being able to go see their team. Um, there seems to be uh, not much room for a lot of games to, to, to just be able to go see your team play. Um, the grand final ticket, ticket allocation is a big one. You know, it, it's, I think we forget about that every time the grand final goes. Um, but it's something that, that I know is really close to the hearts of a lot of fans and, and certainly the, the association that, that you get such a massive swathe of people who miss out on tickets every year um, because there's all these seats taken by, by corporates and, and people who don't go for either team. Um, I, I think that's really sad. I think that's, uh, you know, that that's a real indictment on the AFL. That that's something they they've really, they've really got to do something about that. Okay. Now, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go? Like, um, anything that we haven't brought up? Any last look, thoughts? I guess I can talk just generally about the fan experience this year um, and the feedback we've had. Um, Go for it. So uh, there's been kick-to-kick introduced into some games, but uh, it's only been some games, and there's a lot of stadiums around Australia where it's still not part of uh, the game day experience. And I, I think that, that would... It, it, it's, a, it's something that parents and kids really like, and it would be great to bring that in as a blanket rule. Um, I think the other thing we've got to do is get the prices right, get the prices right in the stadiums. And, you know, it, I appreciate these things aren't easy to do, but at least if you're recognising that it's a problem and putting it on the table, that it will be addressed at the next available opportunity, whenever that might be. Um, I, I think that would win That would uh, win a lot of fans' uh, favour if the AFL were to take such steps. I think timing is a bit better this year. The timing of games is better. We've gotten rid of Monday night games, which seem to be pretty unpopular. Um, so that, that, that's a, a good move. Um, there's probably the issue about when to, when to play grand final. The overwhelming majority of people want it kept in the day. Whether it'll go to night time, well, we'll see. I mean, it seems like it's something that's been considered in relation to the next TV rights. Um, and look, that, that's, they're the main things. A, a very interesting, um, we, we put a call out to our Facebook followers. We've got over 5,000 Facebook followers and we put a call out as to different um, things that, uh, issues that were concerning fans. An interesting one that came up, um, which seems to be gathering momentum, is actually a feeling amongst fans that 50-metre penalties are overused and possibly as a penalty is too too great a penalty, that it should be a shorter penalty. And that, that's an interesting one too. It's, um, it's something that I, um, is, I'm seeing a lot more feedback very recently. Um, so look, that, that might be something for the AFL to consider as well. Cool. Well, I've been talking to Jerry Eamon, the president of the AFL Fans Association, and you can find out a lot more about the AFL Fans Association at their website at www.aflfans.org.au.
Thanks very much for coming on, Jerry. A pleasure, Jason. Thanks for your time.